Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory. Once again, we are live on both Twitter and YouTube, and you can also find our feed available pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. As always, I am joined by Dan LaMagna, and that's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? JB, I'm ready to go. After a day of working remote and all this world news, I am stoked for tonight. A little collaboration we get to share with a very special guest, a uh, gentleman I've known from way back when. He was an awesome guest speaker at Lackawanna College and uh, probably the best intro in the business of podcasts. I got I to give him props. So I'm, I'm stoked, buddy. Let's go. Dan, one thing I want to ask you real quick. So you constantly throw pictures of your fan cave, whether it's up on Twitter in our group chats. And I think you recently added yet another item from the Cowboys collection. It's an addiction, JB. You know, uh, as well as supporting our partnership with Fanatics there, you know, during this time where I should probably be thrifty, my, my Cowboys addiction expanded, got a beautiful bar stool for the man cave and a couple other small items. So it was a win-win. I had to do it. Of course you did. Of course you did. And we are also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What is going on, Mitch? What's going on, guys? So we're doing the live draft show here coming up. How excited for you are, that, are, are you for that? And is your wife okay with all that? So she I mean, we're is. doing four hours live. We warned her because this has been like six months in the process. This is going to happen. But here on the 23rd, we're going to be live on YouTube and Twitter. And that's when we're going to be giving away the signed Saquon jersey. And we're also, you know, we're going to just have instant reactions on dynasty values and fantasy values. And we're just going to be sitting here drinking and doing that fun stuff like everybody else is doing. But we'll be doing it live on Twitter. Dan's been talking about getting wings for, I think, about two months now. So he's pretty excited for these wings. And we're going to be having special guests pop in and out throughout the night. So make sure you're paying attention for that. Last week, if you missed the show, we were joined by J.J. Zacharyson. If you haven't had a chance, go back and check it out. And tonight, we're keeping the fun rolling. We are joined by a former NFL player and founder and CEO of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network that we are now a proud member of. Find him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. None other than Ross Tucker. What's going on, Ross? Fellas, what's up? This is awesome. First of all, welcome, welcome to the family. I am. Uh, we are very, very glad to have you. You guys have a nice social media following already. You guys are getting more retweets and likes on your post than I am. I don't know what the hell. I'm <laughs> but you guys, you guys are doing great. I love the setup. I love this stream yard being able to see you guys and be on the show for the first time this is awesome and good to meet you john good to meet you mitch dan i've known for a while and i you do i gotta give you guys some credit man you got the right partner in dan because he must have emailed and texted me every four <laughs> we made this happen i mean every it's like hey dan like i remembered when you texted me about doing a partnership four hours ago, bro. Like nothing <laughs> changed. Okay. I had to take my daughters to school. I took a shit. Like I had something to do. <laughs> but it worked out. Persistence pays off. I appreciate it. I'm very, very glad to have you guys as part of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. And hopefully we can get more people checking you guys out. The best dynasty fantasy show I'm aware of. 
We're excited to have you here, Ross, and we are so excited to be part of the network. And I don't know if I know a more persistent and tenacious person than Dan LaMagna. And I realized that right when we met him through several different dynasty leagues, this guy would send us trade offers about every five minutes and reject it. He's like, oh, well, we're going to add in this fourth round pick. And I'm like, Dan, okay, I get it. So trust me, I understand that. But again, we are so excited and thrilled to have you on the show and be a part of the team. You know, before we jump into the show, though, I saw a recent tweet that you had, and it related to myfrontpagestory.com. And in all seriousness, I absolutely love the idea. And when it comes to Mother's Day, it's probably something I'm going to do for my mom. She loves all that sappy stuff, so she's going to absolutely love it. Tell our listeners about that. So this is legitimately funny because the guy that it was his idea is a writer here in central Pennsylvania. And his idea was like, hey, you know, small businesses might want people to write a story about them or maybe kids for recruiting. Just so you guys know, so I invested in the company. Now I'm a part owner. We haven't gotten one order for either one of those ideas. Not a single order. But what we realized is for like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day, it is the best gift you can ever give someone. You literally talk to a reporter, a writer for 10 minutes while you're driving to work or these days, I guess, I don't know, going to the bathroom, whatever. Tell them about your wife or in this case, your mom, whatever, for Mother's Day. They write the most unbelievable story about her using the information you tell them, using quotes from you. And I don't know what it is, guys, but when you hand that, you know, it looks like it's on the front cover of the local newspaper. It's all framed and beautiful. When you hand that to your mom or your wife and you're just like, hey, babe, I want to do something different for you this year, something unique. So I had a story written about you. Like, tell me that's not the coolest thing you've ever heard. Being able to say to your mom or your wife, I had a story written about you. Like, who gets stories written about somebody else? Nobody, right? And then when they read it, it's crazy because like I tell my mom I love her and how much I appreciate her all the time. When she was like reading it and read the quote from my sister last year that said, I wouldn't be the woman I am today if it wasn't for my mom. She waterworks, bro. Waterworks. <laughs> she just totally bawling. Especially like I think your wives will appreciate it, but especially your mom, because like the newspaper like means so much to them, like reading something in a newspaper and they're they're actually my mom. I'll post on Twitter next week or something. My mom has it hanging up right when you go in the front door of her house. It's right there. You walk in the front door of my mom's house, it's like, hey, I'm the greatest <laughs> ever. So anyway, it's uh, myfrontpagestory.com. And just since you guys are part of the network, we'll give you guys a little discount. What did we say it was? Theory 20? Is that what we went with? It was Theory That's 20, right. yep. Theory 20. So you get 20% off. And honestly, the lowest, you can get one for 50 bucks. So 20% off of 50 bucks. I mean, that's that's a slam dunk right there. So whether it's Mother's Day or even just now, like with social distancing and like we can't go visit my wife's grandmas who are still alive. Like it's the perfect gift for right now. Trust me, myfrontpagestory.com. It's crazy because like we sell a ton of these for Valentine's Day and then for Mother's Day because it's just there's just nothing like it. 
Ross, I'm a big procrastinator. So how much lead time do I have to give this reporter to do the story? That's what I need to know. I, I definitely like the concept that I don't have to go in the store. I don't have to leave or go anywhere. But how much lead time do I need? It's a good question. And the answer is like the more the better probably, right? Mm -hmm. But you can probably like about a week in advance, as long as you pay for the 72 hour turnaround, you can get it back. But remember, like you want to make sure there's enough time for you to talk to them. For him to write the story, for him to send it to you, frame like like that stuff takes time, right? So if you want to be able to give it to her on Mother's Day, you want to give yourself, I'd say, probably like at least a week would be my recommendation. Dan, I'm actually that surprises me though, bro. You're so persistent, you're organized. Why are you a procrastinator? I would think that you'd like be ahead of the game, like a planner. You're a football coach, dude. Well, to keep up with like work and all the extra work that JB gives me here on this fantasy pod. You know, those, those gifts for the wives, I mean, how much notice do you need? 24 hours to go to the store? You know, that that is that is part of the plan, Ross. So that's, right. why I, that's why I needed to ask you that question. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, so think of it now. Write it down in your little notepad right there instead of buying yet another Des Bryant chin strap. <laughs> and, Dynasty 20, I have it. And... Uh, and go to theory 20, use theory 20 code at myfrontpagestory.com. I will say this, Dan, that that chair you're in is sweet. What did that cost? You don't mind me asking. It was a good Christmas gift, man. Uh, the wife and the moms who I'm going to get that my front page gift for hooked me up with it. So, right, so check this out. It's really funny. Here's a couple of things. Sorry, I'm not giving you these, bro. Uh oh, you're going to get Dan all <laughs> yeah, hot and uh, game ball for uh, Thanksgiving game. I started on Thanksgiving, and then uh, Jerry Jones charged me three hundred bucks for this helmet after they cut me. Then <laughs> he paid three hundred bucks. But you know what, Dan? Just for you. <laughs> JB, <laughs> screenshot this, man. I'll, I'll get it on the live feed. I'll get it. Don't worry. Oh, I love it. Maybe. Oh my gosh, this is like tight and hurts my head. <laughs> <laughs> so much smaller now, but I guess since I've been so long, oh, Dan, Dan's about to Venmo you five thousand dollars for that helmet. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, how many pod podcasts? Like I listen to all your pods. How many uh, sponsor buys do I have to do to get one of those items? In it? That's uh, you're never getting either one, bro. They're, they're funny. But what's funny is like That's anytime, sweet, anytime I criticize the Cowboys, Cowboys fans get like so mad. Like you're just a Cowboys hater. So I'll just like reply to them with like the game ball like how, like tell me that doesn't get you so pit like you're a diehard cowboys fan i'm ripping your team i'm like do you have one of these but, but <laughs> do you have one of those that's awesome i have one of these hey you know how, like you love yeah they don't even know who you are i started for them seven games greatest, greatest left guard <laughs> last seven games in 2002 in cowboys history there you go there you it, have man. it so he, I'm sure Dan, if you have an intruder anytime soon, Ross, it's Dan jumping in you know, through your back window. But anyway, we, we have a lot of exciting stuff we want to talk about tonight. And Ross, I know you're not going to be able to stay for the whole episode. So we have a, a lot of things in a short period of time that we want to pick your brain about. So uh, Mitch, just a few weeks ago, the collective bargaining agreement was finalized. And honestly, we haven't spent too much time talking about it up to this point, you know, from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, I was actually really shocked that it got signed so soon because it wasn't the deal. 
the old deal wasn't going to expire until March of 2021. I thought it was going to be really, you know, December, January when we really saw saw them go on the table and really trying to hammer things out. But it signed already at this point, as everyone's heard. We got the 17th game and it's a 10-year deal. And I just want to ask Ross what his thoughts were on it because we heard a lot from, you know, on ESPN, we heard a lot of the more veteran players saying that they were pretty against it, but we never really got to hear from anybody else who isn't a major player, probably because, you know, they don't make the headlines that Aaron Rodgers does or Richard Sherman. And I was just wondering what Ross's thoughts were on the deal and how it ended up being 10 years. You know, that's a pretty long deal at this point. Yeah. So uh, it's the second one in a row. That's 10 years. Um, I thought it was a good deal. I don't think it's a great deal. But the reality is that they're not going to get a great deal. You know, the the flaw in it, unfortunately, and I know this because I've been there, is that when you know what hits the fan, right, that the players really aren't going to strike. And even just look at the voting, right? The voting was close. So let's say the voting went the other way, right? And it failed by a small margin. So next year, when it really expires and the owners would institute their last best offer, and then the players, if they still want more, at that point would have to strike. At that point, all of the guys that make the minimum, which is over 60% of the players, they would have already been a hundred grand in the hole because that's what the minimums were going to go up. So you think guys, most of whom voted for it who are already down a hundred grand are going to then skip games and paychecks the next year. No chance, bro. And not only that, even the guys that spoke out against it, like Russell Wilson and JJ Watt, which really bothered me because they didn't give any reasoning or logic. I'm totally on board with them being opposed to it. But how about saying I'm opposed for X, Y, and Z? I think we should be able to get A, B, and C. You know, anytime I ever do this, Mitch, I role play, right, with the people that were opposed to the deal. And they say, I want – we should get 50-50 split. I'll pretend like I'm the owners. No. We should do this. No. (laughs) And then, because like you, you always have to see like then what ends up happening, right? Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing to me is whatever they might have been able to gain next year. I don't think if you do the math, they would have made up for what they lost this year for six or seven years. You know, so it just I, I I'm glad it went through. Happy for the players, for the vast majority of those guys that voted. Uh, this was the right decision. The only way you can argue it wasn't is if you you really believe that they could have made significant strides for year eight, nine, and ten, and you really would be negotiating for guys that are in high school right now. Right, and it, it seemed like like a lot of the impact, you know, the positive impact, like you said, it was these guys making the minimum. It might have been the younger players that if they were could have ended up losing money. So it's always good to hear somebody that's been there. You know, I, I know in what, 2006, you were you were playing in the NFL, and that's the last time or well, one of the last times that a collective yeah, bargain agreement was reached. And to your point, John, and your point, Mitch, 
that there was a year left on the deal then. Mm -hmm. So like I think because of 2011 and it went to the lockout and it was so contentious, people started to think like that's what has to happen to get a good deal. Well, first of all, that was a terrible freaking deal. It was an awful, awful deal. So that's not a good sign. What, what happened last time? Secondly, the best deal the players ever got was 2006 when they did it a year ahead of time because there are certain restrictions in place to try to incentivize both sides to get the deal done with one year left. And you guys know the, you know, the Cowboys would have been able to tag both Amari and Dak, et cetera. So they put certain things in place to try to incentivize both sides to get the deal done. And, and uh, go ahead, Dan. So one comment, one question, you know, the, the comment being, you know, just the love of the game and the players, you know, increasing the roster size and the practice squad, there's 128 more jobs created for aspiring football players. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but Ross, as a player, you know, especially being in the trenches as a lineman, going to a 17-game season right now, what's your thoughts there? I mean, these are gladiators on the field, like two cars smashing every game. What's your thoughts of extending that? Yeah, so I have mixed emotions about it. Um, part of it just because I'm anal and, like, the odd number thing is weird to me. You know, like, if you think about it, 32 teams, eight divisions, four teams in each division, 16 game. It's just like – it's perfect. It's like butter. You know what I mean? It's like it's so smooth. So adding the extra game, I you know, I didn't love that aspect of it. But I will say this. From a revenue standpoint, right? Like let's pretend like I'm a, I was still a player. I would be all for it. Let me just tell you guys, okay? If it was Christmas Day, and I'm just keeping it real, and the head coach came in or the owner of the GM and said, hey, guys, I know you're all tired. I know you're all ready for the season to be over. We're not making the playoffs. We're 5-10. and 10. We got one game left. Owner just told me we can play one extra game after this last one, and you guys will all get – the equivalent of a hundred grand and it varies a little bit, but it's actually more than that. Like when you see what that extra game means in terms of revenue, it's like $170,000 per player injected in the system. Now the rich guys get more of that. The poor guys get less of that. But if you just said to those guys, Hey, you'll all get a hundred thousand dollars for one more game. Every guy, but maybe one or two would say yes. I'd pass on that. After taxes, how much is that really? Chump change. And honestly, a lot of those guys, exactly. And honestly, a lot of those guys, if you're one of the two or three rich guys that said no, even though they're the best players on the team, that would be a problem. Yep. That would be, I'd be like, I'd be like, listen, man, like you have $40 million, like you're set for life. Another hundred thousand dollars, you know how much of a difference that makes in my life? Shut your mouth. I'll punch you in your teeth. We're playing this game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like all, the guys that are against it are the guys that have already made like $40 million, right? And the incremental value of one more game isn't that big a deal to them. But that's not the reality of the NFL. Like, the guys that you guys talk about, right, like the fantasy, studs, mm -hmm. whatever, that's not most NFL players, right? Like, people like – Everybody knows the 10 best players on their team. What about the other 80 dudes in training camp? Like, that's the majority of the players. And they would all sign up. Honestly, 
they'd sign up for a lot more than 17 if they kept getting that money every week. Well, I mean, even look at some of the guys that during the offseason they went to play for the XFL, whether it was for the love of the game or maybe just an extra paycheck. So I think I think you're spot on there. And I, I want to thank you because I think we have one of our clips that we're going to throw on Twitter, Instagram that says that you're going to punch somebody in the face. So I, I want to thank you for that. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so going in, like we said, the CBA was going to be up in 2021. And that was a big thing for fantasy whether it was redraft and dynasty owners, we were really worried that that was something that was going to cause us to lose some games as fans and dynasty players. But now this whole thing with COVID-19. So Dan, one of the big things that's on everybody's mind, we're at the point where we could potentially either it's a shortened off season. We miss some games or maybe we miss the entire season. What, what do you think on that? Well, the question I have for Ross, and, and you know, he, I think it's great for our listeners to hear someone who's walked in these shoes before. Ross, when you go back in your career as a rookie player, at times where you've switched teams and you had to learn a new system from a head coach or an offensive coordinator, or maybe you know injury concerns, today, Monday, April 6th, was supposed to be the date where clubs with a new head coach at the end of last season began their offseason workout programs. Now, they can't do that. April 20th, it would be for the returning head coaches. And then you have rookie mini camps at the beginning of May. How does a change in schedule or any lost time that's going to happen impact football players getting ready for the season, especially rookies, especially learning a new system and those injury concerns? Yeah, it hurts. There's no question about it. Um, the guys that I would be leery of would be not only rookies, which I think is common knowledge, I would also say the second year guys, because I know for a lot of guys, and I was certainly this way, the biggest jump you make in your career is between year one and year two. Like for me, year one, I was like looking around. I was a Redskins 2001. It's like Jeff George and Bruce Smith and Daryl Green. I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Like this is unbelievable. And I made the team. And then, like, throughout the season, you kind of build confidence. Like, you kind of realize, I, I th you know, I think I can do this. Then you have the offseason. You come back. You're working out. You're lifting weights with the team. You know what's going on. Next thing you know, you've got those mini camps and those OTAs. And it's unbelievable how much of a difference it makes. Like, year one, I was hoping maybe I made the team. Year two, I was like, I'm the best guy here. I'm going to kill all these dudes. It really, it really, it's just like a confidence thing. And I ended up starting a bunch of games that year, whatever, in 2002, uh, Redskins preseason, Cowboys regular season. So I'd be leery of certainly the rookies, but also I think most people know that where we're giving you guys, you know, some advice other people might not think of is the second year guys. That people will think, and then anybody switching teams or anybody where there's a quarterback who's new, I, I can tell you right now from experience, Brady, Rivers, they're not going to be happy at all. Not at all that they're not able to be out there practicing, getting these reps in. Brady wants every rep he can possibly get, he is going to be dying that he can't be out there with Godwin and Mike Evans and Cam Brayton, these guys. And just like you talked about, whether it's a rookie, a guy changing a team, a second-year player, a team that has a new quarterback, 
I mean, that might knock out 30 out of the 32 teams here. Well, it, there, there are a lot of guys involved. Yeah. I mean, in order, in terms of concern, it's rookie, probably second year guy, then guy in new system, and then veteran quarterback. I mean, they don't like it, but they'll still, as long as there's a training camp of some kind, they'll just wear those guys out and make sure they're ready. So before we move on, one last question on this topic, because as fantasy players, we want to know, you know, running back, wide receiver, you already talked on some of the veteran quarterbacks, who is this going to impact the most? So let's say we're choosing between maybe a running back and wide receiver that both are going to new situations and there's some time lost in camp here. Which one should we be more concerned about, the wide receiver or running back? Wide receiver because what they are asked to do could is more different than what running backs are asked to do typically. And timing is more important for the receiver with the quarterback. Whereas the running back, a lot of those throws or check downs, the runs, you know, he's been running since he was eight years old. It, it's a little bit different. He doesn't really need to be in sync with the quarterback like a receiver does. That's an easy one. So a player like DeAndre Hopkins, he is an absolute stud. Is there a concern we could see a decrease? I know the target share might be reduced because he's going from Houston where he was getting 30-plus percent to a team that spreads it out more. But, you know, he's still a top-12 dynasty asset. But there might be concern based on what you've already said. Yeah, you know, I think the good news is Kyler Murray year two um, and DeAndre Hopkins has been around so long. But – I would think the combination of target share and them getting on the same page that he might get off to a slower start than he has in Houston. I think that's fair. Right. And I I think that's a great point. Again, just like Dan said, it's great to have somebody, you know, I had an illustrious peewee football career. So (laughs) you and I were on pretty much equal footing here, Ross, but it's great to have somebody that was actually in the NFL that has witnessed it from on the field, the locker room dealing with owners. So it is, it's absolutely fantastic for you to share this insight. Now, again, I, I know that we, we can't steal you for the whole episode here. So we're going to throw you into our patented dynasty theory, rapid fire. And yes, I patented it and I might throw a trademark on that. I'm, I'm still thinking about it, but you know, with you being so close to the Eagles, that's kind of going to be the topic that we stick with tonight. So from a dynasty perspective right now, Miles Sanders is going running back 12 in startups. Would you buy or sell him at that price? I'd probably buy it. Uh, They really, really like him. He was fantastic in the second half of the year. I understand that the Eagles have historically been a running back by committee team, but I think that they look at him as LaShawn McCoy, as Brian Westbrook before him. I I think that they really – are going to give him the lion's share of the touches. Now, they're going to add another running back at some point, whether it's the draft or a veteran. Uh, they really only have three. In ter- you know, Elijah Holyfield as well as Boston Scott, who came on strong late in the year. But I think Miles Sanders, you know, is going to be up over 70 75% of the snaps at that position. He's a special player. They really like him. So I like him to be the feature guy there. And, I'm, you know, he's not going to get Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott usage, but 
I think he might get top 10 usage. I, I think they're going to use him a lot. And that offense, I, I that would be explosive. And obviously at that price, he, like you said, he would be a buy. So I'm taking my notebook out here and we're going to have a few more startups that we're taking part in. So Miles Sanders, I, I've had my eye on him a little bit and he always seems to go a little bit earlier than I would like. I think there's a lot of Eagles fans in the leagues we take part in. Dan, he probably wants to fight them every day. But um, so, okay, so Miles Sanders, a buy at running back 12. One big topic here, it's it happened last offseason. It's already happening now. Zach Ertz, he's about to be 30. And in Dynasty, I always say, he might as well have one foot in the grave. So you look at Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. If you're in a Dynasty league, who would you be targeting more? So again, you're really close to this team. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, how long do the Eagles stick with Zach Ertz? What are your thoughts on that tight end situation? So that's a tough one. And I say that because there have been rumors this offseason of both an extension for Zach Ertz, who still has two years left on his deal, as well as Zach Ertz potentially being on the trade block. Because I can just tell you this right now, Dallas Goddard is a stud. Dallas Goddard, I believe, is one of the 10 best tight ends in the NFL. If you watch him play in and play out, he would start for most of the teams in the league. He, I mean, he is very gifted. Really, he's a better blocker than Ertz. He's probably faster than Ertz. He's a bigger target. He's a better athlete. Ertz is just so smart and so silky smooth. Ertz is just so – his football intelligence – Ertz just is a technician and knows what he's doing. Goddard's not quite there yet. So this is a tough one at this juncture without knowing what ends up happening with Ertz. I would probably go Goddard, though, and here's why. It depends – like anything else in Dynasty, right? depends on how, how long of a time horizon you have or you're really looking at it or caring about. But Goddard – in a couple of years is either going to be the guy in Philly or he's going to be the guy somewhere else. So you're not going to get as much out of him this year as you would Ertz. You're probably not going to get as much out of him in 2021 as you would Ertz, but you're going to get good production from Goddard both years. But I would say 2022 for the next five years, that's when Goddard's going to end up giving you a much better return, I would imagine, than Ertz. I like that, and especially with the wide receiver situation where we saw last year where Greg Ward was the premier wide receiver in Philadelphia. There was plenty of room and targets for those tight ends. So that kind of leads me to my last question here. At what point in the NFL draft, you know, we're only a few weeks out, do the Eagles take a wide receiver? So right now they're sitting with the 21st, 53rd, and 103rd overall pick. How early do you think they target wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody believes that it's going to be in round one. I think that's a strong likelihood, but it also depends on how round one shakes out. You know, if, if the guys they want are all gone, I, I think they probably trade down because it's so deep at receiver that if the guys they want, like the top three guys, are all gone by 21, maybe even Jordan Jefferson's gone by then, wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles trade down, acquire some extra picks, and still get Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, K.J. Hamler, you know, one of these other guys, right? So 
I think they'll come a top. They're in a weird no man's land where they're not going to get one of the top three probably, and they could drop back and still get one of sort of the next tier. And I know they want to get more picks. So I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up happening, but I still think their first pick ends up being a wide receiver. And hopefully we don't land into another JJ or Sega white side situation where, you know, obviously he went in the second round last year, but we were so excited because he he has the 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 prototype and the 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 physical attributes of an all Sean Jeffrey, and we were so excited about him. And up to this point, obviously just his rookie year, but it didn't pan out so far. And I know talking about the Eagles again, Dan, I I see you fuming over there. This is a lot of Eagles talk for me, but again, for for my boy Bob Ross over there, man, I'm okay. Uh, and again, Ross, absolute. You know, thank you for coming on the show with us. Um, you know, we're going to stick around and answer some listener questions, but let our listeners know where they can find you, what projects you're working on, you know, as if they don't know who you are already, but let's pretend like they don't. Yeah, no, uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. And Dan, I, I can't remember who won the NFC East last year. My brain's foggy. <laughs> was it was it Carson and, and the practice squad? Did they beat Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott? I'm still having nightmares of Greg Ward uh, <laughs> catching wide open passes. So well, hey, the good news, though, Dan, is at least you have Travis Frederick and Byron Jones back this year. That's the good news. <laughs> Salt on the wounds. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate so, you. Man. So anyway, um, no, I appreciate you saying that, John. So at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Uh, I got a bunch of podcasts. I love them like you guys. Ross Tucker football podcast three times a week in the offseason, daily during the season. Same way you guys listen to John, Dan, and Mitch. If you like betting, I've got the Even Money podcast. If you like fantasy, and obviously you do, check out the Fantasy Feast podcast with Joe Dolan. Matt Waldman does an awesome job on the College Draft podcast only a couple weeks away, so you can absolutely check out Matt. Uh, He's a stud. Andrew Brandt does the Business of Sports podcast. So all of them available at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found, which you already know because if you're listening to this, you know where podcasts are found. All right. Well, again, Ross, thank you so much. And, you know, once the season approaches, hopefully there is no delay in the season. We want to get you back on here. Anytime. This was a blast. Next time I'm bringing a beer, but this is, uh, I love this format. I love this stream yard. This is very cool. It's, it's uh, not a beer, but I have my white claws here. Of course you're going to have white claws. Hey. I love Keep it. up the great work, Ross, man. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank oh, you so much. Thanks for having me guys. See ya. Hey, we'll Thanks, see Ross. you. All right, guys, so we're we're sticking around here. We got some listener questions that we got on Twitter, and I see there's some people still in the chat watching us. If you have a question, drop it in the chat box. We'll probably touch on it. So first question here, and Dan, you like this one. It was a nice, easy softball question. And Mitch, I want to start with you here. How do we know each other? It's a really tough question. I didn't even see this one in the sheet, but... No, it, it was impromptu. Okay. So I actually met uh, John three years ago now. Had it been three years ago in a startup on, it was a rise to the challenge league. It's called RTTC. It was going into 2018. Yeah, going 2018. So I met John in there and we've been pretty much friends ever since the startup. And I met Dan the same year, a little bit later in the off season. We joined the same league. He was one of the active one, one of the only active ones in that league. 
And I was also on the active one. So we were constantly trading back and forth. And then we end up just getting in a whole bunch of leagues together. And then, you know, John and I started the podcast almost a year ago at this point. And then Dan hopped on right before the season when we did the start, start and sit episodes. We actually released our first episode Easter night last year. Mm-hmm. It was so serendipitous. Like, here I am joining my first Dynasty League. And since I was, guys, probably like college age, you know, when like Keeper format first started coming out. and then... That was what, about 55 years ago, Dan? Oh, easy now, easy now. But it was a while. It was a while. But, you know, I was doing redraft. I was doing DFS. And then I was like, I had that itch to just pick up what I was doing. Get into the Scott Fish Dynasty League. Meet Mitch. We connect, as, as he says. We're just both very active owners. Mitch predicts I'll go from like one dynasty to five to ten. Here I am now, a year later, 12, and, and on a pad, podcast with you guys. And really just a leap of faith. You know, we all joke. We don't know what each, we look like, what we sound like. And, uh, you know, Mitch just had a vision and says, hey, interested in doing the start sit show? And, you know, talk to you, John. Probably had to bribe you a little bit. And here we are, man. What a blast. But it's kind of cool how you meet through uh, fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Talk about Mitch bribing me. That's I, I, I moved last weekend. The down payment was actually because of the bribe that Mitch <laughs> sent over via Venmo. But no, I mean, obviously, it's been fantastic. And anybody that I talk to, they say, that they love the chemistry between us. And a lot of I, there, we had some complaints when it was just Mitch and myself because we share a dynasty mind and it is so refreshing, not just for us, but I think our listeners as well, Dan, you, you and I, we, we butt heads and we disagree a lot, but I always say it, it gets, to, it borders on debate and argument, but it never crosses that line. And I think that's exactly what people want to hear. They want to hear varying opinions. So bringing you on the show, you know, like you said, we had you on the start sit show initially. And then the fact that we disagreed on so many topics, it, you were somebody. And then because we're in so many leagues together, you know, I, I, I know you're going to stick around. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Mitch isn't going anywhere. I'm sure as hell not going anywhere. So I think it's a, it's a good little group we have here. And I'm very excited that I, you know, had the pleasure of meeting both of you. But now let's get into the actual football questions. Mitch, we're going to start with you again. Name a running back currently going as a top 10 dynasty running back that will not be in 2021. Well, this is a little awkward because Ross just said about how Miles Sanders, you know, is going to be really included in the offense this year. But the only one I could find that was in the top 10 that I don't think has a good chance to stay in the top 10 is Miles Sanders. Um, Just going through the projections this year, I think he's going to get work, but I don't know if he'll ever get close to bell cow work. And I don't see him getting that much work as some of the other backs in the NFL, Singletary, Connor, you know, guys in that range that are being taken two or three rounds past him. So that's why I have Miles Sanders there. Let me ask you a question, though, just to play devil's advocate. So Miles Sanders, and I didn't know who you were going to bring up, mm-hmm. but Miles Sanders currently going, what is it, running back 10. So 10, right on yep. the cusp there. If he comes in, and last year he was in a committee, obviously, with Jordan Howard. And I think the expectation, just like Ross said, they're going to bring somebody in, whether we always talk about Devontae Freeman because he's pretty much the only well-known free agent running back still out there, or it's the draft. I think we all believe that's going to happen. Let's say he has he gets 45% of the touches. The fact that he's only entering his second year, and as long as he avoid injuries... I think that he's still a lock to be to maintain that ADP. 
So here's my issue is there's running backs coming in to the NFL this year who I think would be drafted over him if Miles Sanders. If Miles Sanders was in the draft this year, I don't think he would go above Jonathan Taylor. He wouldn't go above Swift. J.K. Dobbins is really close. And so I think those guys have a good chance to move above him already. And above him, you already have Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, Cook, Mixon. You know, I'm missing a whole bunch of guys as well. Yeah, I think you were missing McCaffrey. That's okay. Yeah, McCaffrey, you know, just... (laughs) But that's my problem is I think there's so many more backs coming in. And I don't know if he is going to get the market share to hold that ranking, especially if people are already taking him top 10 and he doesn't finish top 10 he's going to end up dropping back down so that's why i had him on there more so than like someone dalvin cook who could only fall because of injury i think that's fair and you know you mentioned dobbins i think he's going running back 16 right now Mm -hmm. even swift he's going later than running back 10 and depending on the startup you're in jonathan taylor he's right around there dan who do you have here who's a guy currently going as a top 10 dynasty running back in startups that you don't see being there in startups next year Reviewing the top 10, I am. Mitch is on the right path. Miles Sanders was second on my list. Jonathan Taylor, who you mentioned, who's currently being drafted RB8, would be my number one to say he's not going to make the ten top 10 this year. He's still learning. You just heard Ross talk about you know, not having that time in camp as a rookie. He doesn't even have a landing spot. You know, Where's he going to go? But the main reason I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor and Miles Sanders bump up, bump out of this top 10 list, and I like them both. But it is because of the all disrespect team here. All right. There, I have four running backs that are getting just no respect. And I think they're in better situations. They're more talented at this time in their career. And they're in great situations. If you and, include Tony Pollard, I'm kicking you off this broadcast. <laughs> you will not mute me. It is there's no Dallas, Dallas references right here. I'm starting with RB13, Aaron Jones. RB fifth, like Aaron Jones is just not getting respect and he's got a chip on his shoulder and he is going to be a madman with a vengeance this year. Uncle Lenny, because I could verify Leonard Fournette's conditioning, haven't played basketball with him at RB 15 is better than those two. Kenyon Drake, because of that high flying Cardinals offense that just got nuke. Um, you know, I think he's an exciting opportunity there. And Marlon Mack at RB 25. I just love his situation. I'm going to talk about him more probably in one of our next questions. There are four guys right there not getting any respect that are better than Taylor and Sanders this year. I'm actually speechless right now, and I love Marlon Mack, but I don't think you can – I mean, you look at ADPs. I know ADPs, we always talk about it in some of our group chats. You have the – the the hive out there right you have everybody they share the common perception and they share their thoughts but i marlon mack i don't even think he's in the same conversation as jonathan taylor i'm gonna say to be continued because i don't want to be repetitive in an upcoming question but i've got my ammo i am locked and loaded ready to go so i'm gonna turn it back to you all right and as always i don't have just one name here i have three guys and i'm gonna give you a really brief synopsis overview as to why I have them there. First of all, Mitch, you just mentioned him, Dalvin Cook, running back five. This is, I'm, I'm going to start this off with, if there's an injury here in 2020, a serious injury where he misses multiple games, if he holds out, if he doesn't get that contract extension, that's a situation where he's going to fall outside the top 10. You know, especially if there's an injury, I think we're going to see him, it happened to Leonard Fournette. He was a top five dynasty running back and he dropped what 15, 16 ish. 
because of those injuries. So that's a situation that I see for Dalvin Cook. Joe Mixon, there's a lot of excitement, and I love Joe Mixon. I think this offense is going to be explosive this year, especially compared to last year. Maybe not explosive compared to the Chiefs, but Joe Mixon going running back six, if he stumbles out of the gate and he really, you know, he has a rough 2020 or there's an injury, well, maybe not an injury for Joe Mixon because he doesn't have the 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 history that Dalvin Cook has to that extent. But let's say he also doesn't get the contract extension or he holds out. We're not going to see him in the top 10 for ADP in 2021. And last guy here, Josh Jacobs, same thing. If there's a serious injury, he's had multiple injuries. The shoulder's a concern. If there's an injury here in 2020, just in terms of ADP, Jacobs is going to fold on draft boards. And, you know, maybe they're all cop-out answers because none of them are based on production. I think all three of them are fantastic. I have several shares of all three. But those are situations that I could see all three falling down draft boards in 2020. You give our listeners a different spin there and something to think about as they're looking at these top 10 running backs. I mean, you mentioned valid injury concerns with Cook and Jacobs. We saw that last year. So that's got to be a question. So I'll give you that, JB. And by no means am I predicting an injury because we can't do that. But if there is an injury, especially Jacobs and Dalvin Cook, they're going to drop because of the previous injury history. And not that this is any way the same, but you look at a player like T.Y. Hilton. When he's on the field, he's explosive, but you have those injuries. Now he's what wide receiver 30-something in startup. So, uh, Mitch, do you have anything there on those three running backs? Love all of them. I just don't. Like you said, there's going to have to be a holdout or an injury to see those guys falling. And that's kind of my hedge is I don't think they're get that's going to happen, you know, but I completely understand why you'd pick those three. Again, I love all three and yeah. barring an injury or a holdout situation, hopefully Mixon and Dalvin cook get extended. They should be in the top 10. Again, uh, fantastic running backs. Hopefully none of those situations happen, but on to our next question here. And Dan, let's start with you. Name a player currently being taken. And I think we already know who this is going to be outside of the top 20 in their respective position that is going to be a top 10 dynasty startup pick in their respective position next year. All right. Yeah. This is where I just think the stars are aligned for Marlon Mack this season. He, he, if we connect the dots and fantasy football things that we like, he has it all going for him right now. And that, you know, I took him in a recent draft and I'm starting to love this pick even more. And when I get off this podcast, hopefully anyone who's not listening, they're going to have offers on their table for Marlon Mack tonight. He is a free agent playing for a contract. We love that. He's age 24. He's at a ripe age to be successful. He's got a top O line in the National Football League. I think they're the only unit that all five guys have started together. I don't know if it's like three seasons in a row. So he's got a lot of continuity there. You bring in Phillip Rivers, who's going to put him in better plays, I believe, than Jacoby Brissett will. And then you have T.Y. Hilton, who's also in a free agent year. And if he stays healthy, I think this Colts roster is built to win now. Marlon Mack has his prime year in a free agent se- season. Our boy TJ over there mentions, except for catching passes, that and definitely he, he stole the word. He bit. stole the words out of my mouth. But if you get enough yards and enough touchdowns, he'll still get some catches that will catapult him from RB twenty-five to just inside the top twelve. In terms of ADP and startups next year. I'm saying we go into draft right now. We're looking at ADP, and he's ranked 25th right now. I just think he ends up in the top 12 based on the great season he's going to have. But that's also assuming 
that he expands that role in the passing game. He gets a contract. It's going to be really difficult if he heads into free agency and degenerates like us. We take part in a lot of startups early in the offseason. There's no way Marlon Mack is going as a top 10 running back. And I love Marlon Mack. I don't want to give some chalky answer here. Like I said, he's got the the O-line. He's got free agent contract to play for. He just has a lot of things going for him right now. I think 25 is way out there. And, I mean, it was only a year ago that he was going higher than he was now. I think it's an opportunity. I think the concern is obviously the involvement in the passing game. And in in Dynasty, a lot of people, they're getting on to the fact that, you know, they're looking at contracts. And I think that's really important when it comes to Marlon Mack. Mitch, who's a player that fits this mold for you? So I understood the question wrong when we first brought it up. So I end up having to change really quick. Wait, can I say really quickly, Mm -hmm. this is two weeks in a row. You misinterpreted my question last week. It was ideal landing spots and you just took it as teams that you thought was going to take a certain player. Well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that way. Okay. Maybe I have to just be more, uh, you know, laid out more for you. That'd be better. It really would. (laughs) I'm just giving you a hard time. I know we said outside the top 20, but this guy's going at wide receiver 20 right now, and it's Calvin Ridley. Um, he's going to be 26 going into the 2021 season. So that's the one thing you have to look for in these is you have to look at the age first because age is so – look at Julio Jones right now. He's dropping down the draft boards. He's going to be a top five wide receiver this year, but no one wants to draft him because he's 30 years old now. And so when you're looking forward, look at the age first. Calvin Ridley fits it. He has a very good chance of doing what Chris Godwin did this past season and being a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. Um, I still have a few more teams to go through, but I have him easily as a top 12 guy right now. He has a stable quarterback that's not going to change. He has the team itself has a good foundation, as Dan always likes to bring up. You don't have to worry about Atlanta turning into Detroit anytime soon. And... I think Calvin Ridley is just a slam dunk. But see, I originally thought we were doing top 12 of the startup next year. So we had to find someone who's going to be a first round pick. So the only person I could come up with is I I had to bring him up because he's my boy, Justin Jefferson. He's the guy who I think has a great chance as a rookie, super young. He has the college production that we want. And we pretty sure he's going to be able to get the draft capital that he's going to need for that to happen. But if you want someone super young who could jump up and have a really good rookie season and end up being in the, you know, the end of the first, second round turn, I think Justin Jefferson has a great chance of it. I didn't want to bring up CD lamb or Judy. Cause I think that's just kind of cheating at this point, but I think Jefferson is a great buy right now. And Jefferson, he fits the mold in the bill of players that coming in what you know, it's a rookie. They they perform, they outperform expectations, and they jump up draft boards going into year two. Um, you know, so I, I like that one. I also like Calvin Ridley. I love Calvin Ridley, but I want you to let our listeners know because all the time we talk about all the things we did correct, and I'm I'm the first one to throw myself under the bus. I want you to tell our listeners about the trades you made in our Dynasty Theory Listener League. You know exactly what I'm talking. Oh, it was about. awful. I don't know what it was, but I sold Calvin Ridley for nothing. It was the 15th overall 2020 pick. Yeah. I, 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 know, I know it like it was yesterday. Yeah. And I think a week later than that, in a 16-team Superflex League, I traded Julio Jones for the 117. So, like, you know, we give all this advice, but we make as many mistakes, if not more, 
than everybody else because we are trading so much. And believe me, I've made my fair mistakes already this offseason, and Calvin Ridley's one of them, easily. What's he talking about, John? You and I have never made a mistake. Oh, trust me, I could tell you some trades I've made, but if I if I drop some of those in there, everybody's just going to stop listening right now. So we're going <laughs> to avoid that. But again, I have I, I I just kept I was sitting there, you know, I was relaxing on the couch tonight, and I was thinking about different players that fit these categories. And there's four for me that I want to throw out there: Drew Locke and Mitch hates Drew Locke. Oh. Just listen, really quick, really quick. You have Noah Fan, an up and coming tight end. You have an improved offensive line. You have Mike Munchak, who's there to do great things with that offensive line. And then you have Cortland Sutton. And the expectation is, and a lot of the mocks have the Denver Broncos attacking that wide receiver position early. So you're not going to have Deshaun Hamilton as your second best option. You're not going to have, what is it, Tim Patrick as your second best option. And Mitch, you can sit there and shake your head all you want. I know you hate him, but this doesn't mean I don't like Gardner Minshew because I know you get all hot and bothered <laughs> if anybody brings up Gardner Minshew. But Drew Locke, quarterback 22 right now, he fits the bill of players that we could see really bump up in value from 2020 to 2021. I have three running backs here. And hold on, Mitch, I'll let you get back to Drew Locke, but I just want to fire through my guys. I have three running backs. Kareem Hunt, running back 30. It's all dependent on if he gets into a new situation in 2021. You know, he's not going to go up to a top 12 running back in ADP if he's in Cleveland. He's got to land a solid contract elsewhere. Is that a high probability? Probably not. But let's say a 10% chance that there is, you know, he could bump up there, especially if he has a good season in Cleveland in 2020. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, running back 21. If he lands in a good situation, and everybody loves these rookie running backs. Then obviously he'd be heading into year two. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a running back that fits the bill. I think I've said fits the bill 37 times already, but I'm going to say it one more time. Clyde Edwards Hilaire fits the bill for a player that could be a top 12 running back in 2021 in terms of ADP. And another guy that I know everybody hates, you know, you look at his rookie production and what he did compared to other players that have been productive and had illustrious careers. And David Montgomery, he's not one of those guys, but at running back 24, I like David Montgomery. And during the second year here, I think the Chicago Bears offense, they utilize him more. If he improves that yards per carry, I know every, oh, well, his yards per carry were 3.2. I don't care. I want him to be used, which he was. And I hope he's used a little bit more in the passing game. Is the probability high? Probably not. Higher than Kareem Hunt. But I think David Montgomery is a guy that I could see rising from 2020 to 21, or he could be like running back 60 in startups next year. I like how JB rolls out the whole list. We get one guy to, to yeah. pick for, yeah, he just can't help multiple. himself. What's that? You could have said multiple guys. I would have allowed it. Changing the rules on the fly, Mitch. <laughs> All right, uh, Mitch, what are your thoughts? I know you hate Drew Locke. It's not that I hate Drew Locke. It's really not. It's that he lip synced once on the sideline. He had one above average game. And now all of a sudden he's a top 20 QB in the league. What, top 20? No, he's, he's 22 in Dynasty. He's 22 gonna- right now. Give it in June. By June, he will be top 20. We always have the young guys continually bump up. And what reason do we really have to have Drew Locke bumped above anybody else in that range? He's going to end up Who jumping are you above. Put over him now. Go, 20. Gardner Minshew. Well, yeah, <laughs> this, this is 
This is a year you could, though. We, I mean, we talked about it in the past show when we were looking at the quarterbacks. There's not as much stability at quarterbacks as there was in years past. JB makes a good point about the Denver offense there. It could be the perfect storm for him. Mitch, you're right. The sample size is way smaller than any of us are comfortable with. But if you like Drew Locke going into last year, and now you see how this offense is forming around him, they pick up a receiver in the draft. Maybe my boy LaVisca Chenault. We might have something there. I hope they don't attack, you know, and, and get LaVisca Chanel in the draft because maybe I bumped Drew Locke's value down because of that. But Mitch, you love Sam Darnold, and I do too. Mm-hmm. But what puts him in a better situation going forward than Drew Locke? So I'm not going to use draft capital because I hate that anytime someone brings someone up, it, it's, well, he was drafted in the first round. So that means he's a better quarterback. I saw your I snarky that. tweet. I saw it. I know. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. But the fact is, he's younger. He's he had more talent coming in. He was a better prospect coming in. And I just like him more. I mean, there's no that seems very subjective. It's it's very subjective, but he has had good games. He hasn't had one good game. And you can actually there's a lot of it to where I actually heard this on a different podcast today that wasn't even about football, but I think it's really applicable. It's let your eyes lead the stat. Don't let the stat lead your eyes. And I think that's really big when it comes to football. There's a lot of stuff where we can look at the stats. We'd be like, well, look, he only had a 3.2 yards per carry for David Montgomery. But when you watch him, that offensive line was absolutely horrible too. I'm not a Montgomery fan at all. I don't really want him in any startups. But if you're like, well, he only had a 3.2 yards per carry, just watch the game. You know, it wasn't his fault for that happening. And I think there's a little bit of that going on with Sam Darnold to where he's he has lots of losses. He's going to be like Matthew Stafford to where he doesn't win any games against good teams. But it's because of the team that's built around him. But it's not his fault. I, you mentioned, you know, obviously we mentioned David Montgomery. He's going to be the guy that obviously different situations, different offenses, different draft capital, where they are in their contract. But in terms of where they're going in startups, He's going to be my Chris Carson for 2020 and probably the guy that I'm really going to hang my hat on. And it's strictly because of the expected usage. Do I think he's one of the top 12 running backs in the league? Heck no. But I do think because of the situation and just the usage, we want volume when it comes to running backs. He's going to get that. And I do think Drew Locke is going to surprise some people, especially what they're trying to build around him. If they bring in an early wide receiver here in 2020, is he going to blow up the scoreboard? No, but he could be a top 16 quarterback for 2020 in terms of fantasy points. And in that situation, he is going to rise up because the guys above him for fantasy points in 2020, it's probably going to be players like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. And in dynasty, you can get them for nothing because they're over the age of 27 and nobody wants them in dynasty. So Dan, I actually have a question for you because it's completely off script and it's, you know, nothing we have written down, but so Jonathan Taylor, right. It reminded me when John brought up Chris Carson, I think Jonathan Taylor is a faster version of Chris Carson. And I think they marry each other. Chris Carson has a horrible fumbling problem. Jonathan Taylor has the same thing. They both aren't known for their pass catching ability, but they both can catch the ball. Do you think that's close to being accurate at all? And I'm not saying Chris Carson's bad. Chris Carson was a top 12 back in dynasty for many weeks this year. 
based on what you're sharing, that's a very interesting comp that I could see. You know, JB and I are definitely on the Chris Carson train there. And he's been just so up, down, exciting, frustrating to watch. It's like you mentioned he has a fumble fumbling problem, but for the longest stretch, he didn't. And it's like, where did this fumbling problem come from? Like it was just in his head for a while. Then he fixes the fumbling problem and then he gets injured. Um, but when you watch him run, he's a beast. Like when he is locked in, he is an exciting running back to watch. So he comes into this year with a lot of questions, but now you get a Jonathan Taylor who's a lot younger, runs tough. Um, you know, his fumbling problem, is it something that could be fixed? You know, we like to think so. We've seen some running backs that have been able to make that adjustment. Uh, he's exciting. I just, I think, you, you know, you said it best. It's there's him, there's Swift. I'm really interested to see where he goes, Mitch, and if he gets the opportunity, you know, is he a first-round back this year or is he a second, third-round back? Uh, I think that draft capital will be telling. Yeah, I I think – sorry, jump in real quick, John. I know we love Jonathan Taylor in the Dynasty community. We'll see if the NFL loves Jonathan Taylor as much as we love him because I think there's still a very good chance DeAndre Swift goes, you know, 10 picks above where Jonathan Taylor does, if not more. And that's exactly what J.J. Zacharyson said last week. You know, while we all might love Jonathan Taylor, and is it just me or every time I say Jonathan Taylor, I want to throw the Thomas there at the end, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor yep. Thomas. You know, Home Improvement, that's our age. <laughs> fantastic show. But, you know, uh, he, J.J. last week, he talked about DeAndre Swift getting that higher draft capital because that's something that NFL uh, scouts and the teams, they were, you know, they, they like him a little bit more. And I saw a local guy here in Pittsburgh, and I won't say his name, and I oh, think yeah. he's horrendous, but he said, oh, the Steelers are going to get Jonathan Taylor here at whatever, pick 45 or 46 or whatever it is. I would be shocked if he slips that far. Now, if he does land in Pittsburgh, great, but the gentleman that had him going to Pittsburgh, I would not trust a word he says. Yeah, I, I struggle a little bit with how quickly Jonathan Taylor has shot up. Not saying he wasn't a top prospect, because he was. We talked in a past show, you know I'm a Georgia fan, and, and I'm not as high on DeAndre Swift as I was past Georgia running backs. And that concerns me, because I've watched a lot of Georgia football, and, and I like Swift. I think he's going to be a, a good NFL player. But in past fantasy years, when running backs have you know, become big in fantasy football, they've been the Barkleys, the Zeeks, the – even Fournette to some degree, you know, he got drafted pretty high. I don't see Taylor in that class. And if Swift is better than him by NFL ranks, and again, I, I think other Georgia running backs were better than Swift as far as like, you know, Nick Chubb, uh, Gurley. I'm a little less excited about this running back class than their stock is right now. I'm more excited about the Burroughs and the Tua's and the Jerry Judy's uh, than I am this running back class. I'm in the same boat. Yep. Well, and a lot of people's models. And those of you watching, you saw the air quotes there. If Jonathan Taylor lands in the first round, they have him up there with Zeke. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he lives up to that hype. All right. I got to say something now, just because you said that. So like, there's a reason why Zeke and Barkley are really high in those models is because they were drafted really highly in the top 10. So in order for Jonathan Taylor to be close to them, they would, he would have to, you know, be drafted top 15 top 10 and there is just no possible way there's going to happen we love our models and models are awesome but there's also some things to where he's going to pop in models because he has really good production in college and he run he ran a 439 right and that's going to make him pop in models but 
he isn't Saquon. He isn't Zeke. He isn't the prospect that those guys were, no matter if we want to try to make him that way. He just isn't. Say pop and models. There has to be some type of vulgar joke there, but Dane, I'm going to turn it over to you here. Just, just a little side note. I'm segueing a little bit, but I think you guys would be proud of me. You know, Mark uh, Concepcion, who's listening to our show right now, said, stop trading in our league, Dan, in the East. As we are having this podcast, I made a trade. You know, Ross was saying how aggressive I could be. And you know that's why all three of us have been successful in Dynasty, for how aggressive and how much time we spend on it. But I was able to trade up to pick 1207 to get LaVisca Chenault when I was just talking about him before. And another guy in the chat says, I just got beat to it. So during a live Dynasty Theory podcast, I traded up to get a guy and I sniped someone tonight. Well played. Rob, thank you. And in the 12th round, I don't like LaVisca Chenault. I'm not a huge fan. I don't know if he's going to do much from a Dynasty perspective or even short term. But in the 12th round, sure, get your guy. Now, you made a trade there for a wide receiver. Our last question here from a listener, rank these four guys. And it's just going to be a quick rapid fire to wrap up the show. Mitch, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, DJ Shark, Samuel Debo, or Debo Samuel. Oh, my goodness. Samuel Debo, definitely. These white claws are getting to me. So I'm going Boyd, Shark, Debo, and Gallup. And the only reason why I have Gallup below the other three is because he can't be the number one in that offense. They have Amari there, so he doesn't have the chance to be that ball-dominant wide receiver. And so that's why I have the other ones above him. Boyd, because... I think Boyd's just awesome. Shark, Minshew, I think they're going to hit it off really well. I like Debo a lot, but the reason why I put him below those three is I think there's a very good chance San Francisco ends up with Judy, Lamb, or Ruggs. I think that think their first pick is the 13th in the draft. I think there's a very good chance they end up with either first or second wide receiver off the board. And Gallup lasts for the reasons I already mentioned. I can't believe you have Samuel Debo. It, it's even weird saying it back that way. <laughs> I can't believe Debo. you have him bringing up the rear. <laughs> Samuel Debo. I'm going to start saying that. Sammy Debo. All right, Dan, rank those four wide receivers. Boyd, Gallup, Shark, Debo. This is a fun one. And I can see all three of us being completely different on this. Um, I, I do agree with DJ Shark being just the true number one of this four group of wide receivers. So I think he gets the volume and I think he's as talented as any of them. So DJ Shark, number one. I'll stay on brand and go with Michael Gallup, number two. I just think he's the clear number two in Dallas, and he's just a hardworking young kid with a lot of talent. Um, Number three, I have Debo Samuel. He would have been number two, but to Mitch's point, of I do think the Niners get a lamb or a Judy. I think Kittle is the true number one there, Mitch. So, uh, you know, same issue or concern you have with Cooper, I think, is the same thing in San Francisco. But I think in San Francisco, if you draft a Judy or a lamb and you have Kittle and you have all those – dump off to the backs. I just think that he doesn't get as much volume as Gallup. Talent-wise, I, I would take Debo before Gallup, but I like Gallup's situation better. And then probably to both of your chagrins, I have Tyler Boyd fourth, uh, primarily because he plays for the Bungles. I still think <laughs> A.J. Green's the number one rookie quarterback coming in. I, I go with Boyd number four. And let me clarify real quick. The reason I said Samuel Debo, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose sleep over this tonight, but on my list, I have Boyd, Gallup, Shark, Debo. So, you know, Anyway, and Mitch, you are right. My cheeks are bright red. Bright red. Bright I tell red. every time. You, you, you get a few raspberry or black cherry white claws in you. Man, your cheeks get rosy. And Dan, you said much to my chagrin, and it really is. Tyler Boyd, he's number one on this list for me. Followed by Michael Gallup. I love Gallup. Followed by Debo Samuel at number three. DJ Shark is bringing up the rear at wide receiver four out of this group. Any other closing thoughts here from you guys? This was a fun show. 
Always fun. It was, we kicked it off with a great start with Ross Tucker and our new partnership. Some great listener questions that I believe JB makes them eligible for a Saquon Barkley jersey. I, you have to bribe people any way you can. So, yes, all three of the the, the folks here that we talked about their question, they're going to be entered to win the autographed Saquon Barkley jersey that we're giving away. And, Mitch, you want to do it later on the show on our draft day special Thursday, April 23rd, I think later in the show. I don't know. It could be any time during the show. So you should be tuning in because if we say your name and you don't let us know that we said your name, you know, who knows if you're going to be able to get the Jersey or not. And I was thinking about this too, with the whole COVID-19 thing, whoever wins, I think I'm going to leave it up to them if they want me to wait to ship it off to them. Cause I, I don't want to, you know, any issues there in all seriousness, but um, yeah, so we're doing a four hour live show on April 23rd. Uh, I'm excited for it. Mitch, you and I, we talked about this immediately after the NFL draft last year, and we have the NFL rough draft guys, uh, Ray and Mike Lusheen. We have Scott Connor joining us. We have Frank Scandoro. We have, I, I, is there what I feel like there's somebody else that I'm missing. Maybe it's just those three for now, but it's going to be a lot of fun, very uh, informal. We're going to be taking listener questions throughout the show, giving our feedback on every pick throughout the draft, kind of our expectations. I know, Dan, you're probably getting – you might even get 24 wings that night. What, what are your thoughts there? I'm going big that night, guys. It's, it's a full all-out man cave, multiple TVs going, beer, wings, you name it. We're not fooling around. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, everybody in the chat – as always, we appreciate people tuning into the live show, being engaged. Um, you know, we're, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, and you can catch the live feed on pretty much, you know, anywhere you listen to podcasts. So thank you for tuning in. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Have a great night.